In the midst of our suffering, pain, challenge, and crisis, it can be very difficult for us to know exactly how we can connect with God to find the strength that we need to make it through these times. It's for this very reason that we've come to the Psalms this morning, because the Psalms are the place where we merge what we know about God and how we communicate to God. It's the divine songbook that teaches us how to find that connection with God again to get the strength and the guidance that we need. This morning I've brought you to Psalm chapter 1. It is the gateway into the divine songbook from God. And it starts where every human being starts, with our happiness. You notice it begins by telling us about the blessed person. That means the happy person, the person who has a faith-built blessedness from God. Faith-built happiness is a state of mind that allows us to make the most out of good situations and endure the difficult ones. You know, happiness is what we all want. It's what we strive for. It's what we're wanting, not only for ourselves, but for all the people that we care about in our lives. So this morning, as we turn to Psalm chapter 1, let's take a look at how we find faith-built happiness. This psalm has simple and profound wisdom for us to learn on how to live a happy life. There's three really simple movements I want us to learn this morning as we try to build happiness. In verses 1 and 2, we learn that happiness begins with a choice. This is the first and most difficult hump for us to get over if we're going to learn how to be people who have a faith-built happiness. There's a lady by the name of Bronnie Ware who is a palliative care nurse. She wrote a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. One of the things she said in her book was that she noticed a common theme amongst her patients. And the main theme she noticed was that most people regretted not letting themselves be happy. So you might be saying today, well, I can't just choose to be happy. And you're exactly right, because the choice is not to be happy or not to be happy. Psalm chapter 1 reduces our choice down to just two options. Not just for simplicity's sake, but because that's the truth. There are only two choices, and the real question really becomes, who are you going to follow? Who you submit to and obey will determine if you live a life that is happy or not. And it starts, first of all, with who. Are you going to follow the ungodly? the sinners, the scornful? Do you notice the progression in that language when he says that we walk in the way of the ungodly, the sinners, and the scornful? It starts with those who disobey, then moves us into these repeat offenders like the sinners, and then the scornful are those who are the ambassadors of sin. And he gives us a second option, as opposed to just following the ungodly, the sinners, or the scornful. He says we can follow the Lord who is our maker, our designer, who longs to relate to us. And he's written a law to give us direction and instruction on life. He's our original maker, our creator and designer, and he's told us how to live. And you've got to choose who you're going to follow. But it's not just who you follow, it's also how you follow. 
You notice again on the negative side, there's a progression. He says it starts with your thinking. It moves then to how you behave. And then it moves into the belonging to that group when he says that it goes from a guidance to mimicking them and then ultimately joining in with that crowd. You see, sin has a way of luring us in first with our thinking, then to our behavior, and then ultimately sinks its roots deep into us that holds us tightly. Here this psalm is trying to warn us, to wake us up, to caution us on who we follow because if we go the way of the ungodly sinners and scornful, the way of unhappiness and bitterness sinks its roots deep into our heart. He doesn't just warn us who not to follow and how not to follow, but he also tells us how we can follow God. It starts first with our attitude. You notice he calls for us to delight in the law of God, to love the law of God. And the only way you can really do this is to trust the intent of the law of God. God has given us his word, his instruction, his guidance, not to put a thumb on us or to control us, but actually to guide us and liberate us to live how we were always designed to live. And you've got to trust him so you'll follow him. So it starts with our attitude, but then it moves to our actions. He says that we have to absorb his law deep into our mind and get it into our thoughts. Imagine if I offered you $1 million to solve a riddle. Would you think about that riddle? Would you spend time pondering over it? Would you try to figure it out? Try to understand it? Of course you would. You want a riddle? I'll give you one. How about this? I'm one of five. I'm not alive. The one who sent me forth became king. The one who received me died. What am I? Let's see if you can figure that out. But there's no million. So faith-based happiness begins with a choice. But secondly, it is built with patience. In verses 3 and 4, listen to what the psalmist says, that this man is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Isn't that a beautiful picture to demonstrate the blessed man who delights in the law of God? See, this blessed man, this happy man, this faith-built happy man is like a tree that's planted by water. A tree uses water in a very unique way. You know, a tree is not like a pipe that takes water from one place to another. A tree actually has to absorb water into itself, and that over time, after absorbing that water, will produce fruit. You see, a wise man, when he spends time with the Word of God, when he meditates on it day and night, and he loves it for what its intent is, is like a tree that's drinking that water. And if you regularly drink that water, in the course of time, we begin to produce the fruit of happiness. Now, that tells us two things about how happiness is built with patience. Number one, it's not spontaneous. Sure, moments can be spontaneous, and you can have different moments that just have an elation to them, but God-built, faith-built happiness comes with time and consistency, like a tree planted by water. The second thing it tells us is that it's not emotional. Daily events can move our emotions, sure, but happiness is more than just an emotion. It's a state of mind that soaks in the great moments 
and endures the difficult ones. Unshakable happiness is not a reaction to events or a reaction to people, but a result in an investment in living your life the way God has taught you. So happiness begins with a choice. Who am I going to follow? It is also built with patience, that we become like the tree planted by water that regularly drinks the word of God and over time builds a God-built, faith-built happiness. Ultimately, happiness is based on a promise. Listen to verses five and six. He says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The stability of happiness is based not on our circumstances always going right, not on situations being perfect, but on the promise of God's character. Here's the promise. He says, following his way does lead to a blessed or happy life. That's the promise. And we need this promise when we see the ways of the scornful seemingly going well for them. How often have you seen somebody live in a way that is against the ways of God and it seems like their life is going well? This is when you and I need to remind ourselves of this promise that following the way of God ultimately leads to the blessed, happy life. Jesus expanded on this teaching of blessedness when he was here on earth. In his sermon in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 20, he said this, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. The warning here that Jesus is giving us is that if our happiness is based solely upon riches or circumstances being easy or having all of the comforts of this life, it is a faulty way to build your happiness. Those things come and those things go but he gives us a deeper place to build our happiness on, and that is the character and the promise of God, that the way of the righteous leads to a blessed life. We can be certain of that. But see, this promise actually presents us with one major problem. Every one of us have not lived in the way of the righteous. We have gone our own way. We have been disobedient to God. We have not been the kind of people that we should be. All of us in some way have followed the wrong path. We've done what verse one of Psalm one says, the thinking and the sitting and the behaving and the joining with the sinners and scoffers. We have been locked into the old way of living and our patterns of thought that lead us down the route of sin. We have pursued happiness our own way 
and it has failed us. And when we think about truly delighting in the law of God, we like that idea, but man, sometimes it's difficult. So how are we gonna solve this? What's the answer? We need to look to the one person who actually lived the way of the righteous. His entire life he lived perfectly. Jesus is the one who avoided the counsel, the way, the seat of the scornful, and he delighted himself in the law of God. He meditated on it day and night. He was firmly as a man planted by the waters, and he sprouted forth and brought forth the fruit of the kingdom of God. And when you look to him, you find something strange. Although he lived in a righteous way, he did all the things that he was supposed to do, this promise of God that the way of the righteous will go well didn't happen to him. He wasn't blessed. He actually did perish. His leaf withered and died. Why is that? Did God's promise fail? Absolutely not. The promise was actually in Jesus Christ being restored to us. Jesus lived the righteous and blessed life and yet submitted to the death that we deserve to die. And in doing so, gave us the gift of having his righteousness so that we can enjoy again the blessing of God. When you see him as the living, breathing word of God, you can begin to delight in the word of God, knowing what he has done for you, the sacrifice that he made, the righteous, perfect life that he lived, and yet dying the death of a sinner and giving to us the freedom from our sin and the blessing of being righteous. It brings us back to reality that we should follow the way of God, beginning by making a choice that I'm gonna follow him, building our life with patience like a tree planted by water, ultimately trusting in the character and the promise of God that if I follow him and live for Christ, I will be blessed. That's what it means to live a blessed life. Not everything will be perfect for us, not everything will be easy, but we will have a deep resolve of joy and peace that transcends our troubles and connects us to the throne of heaven. If there is any way that we can help you, come to know who Jesus is, learn to follow Jesus, or draw closer to him, that's why we're here. Please contact us, let us know how we can help you. If you need to know how to become a Christian, please let us know.